Welcome to the Mornings with Sue and Andy podcast for Friday, January 27th. We begin with our weekly conversation with Mayor Jyoti Gondak. This time out, the mayor shares details of this week's meeting between council and the UCP government. Four weeks into the new year and the U.S. has already had 40 mass shootings. We head stateside for reaction to this grim trend and the latest headlines making news in the U.S. with Jennifer Johnson, Global News Washington correspondent. And in order to not repeat the past, we need to remember the past. We discuss the importance of keeping the stories of Holocaust survivors alive and hear details on the continuing battle against anti-Semitism as we observe Holocaust Remembrance Day. City Council met with members of the UCP caucus earlier this week to discuss common issues affecting Calgarians. Joining us to discuss this and the latest news from City Hall is Mayor Jyoti Gondek. Good morning and happy Friday to you, Madam Mayor. Good morning and happy Friday, Andy and Sue. I hope you're well. Well, we very much enjoy speaking with you because we do know that it's the last day of the week when we get a chance to catch up with you. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. So what was on the table during the McDougal Centre meeting between officials with the city and the UCP caucus? Well, it was a really good meeting. It was um, one where we talked about the common concerns that we have about what needs to happen for the success of the city's future, how we serve our citizens. And it was a great opportunity to really clarify our roles on different um, delivery items like housing and mental health supports. And frankly, it was a good opportunity to be face-to-face and understanding that we have a common public that we serve. So it was a very positive um, time spent with the caucus. Good. I think everybody can agree we need all levels of government to kind of come together and and at least try to be on the same page. So good on you and your team. Um, Let's talk about the province and uh, the province's support for Calgary's downtown revitalization. Council has certainly been talking about that. What's the announcement that we've got? So I think people will remember that in spring of 2021, uh, Council approved the downtown revitalization strategy with a $200 million budget attached to it. And then when we elected the new council in November of that year, we added another $55 million to that investment. And in this past budget cycle, another 170 was added. So we are in for $425 million to support the efforts to revitalize downtown. We've seen the beginning of support from the province. Uh, They made an announcement last year that they re-announced this week of $4 million of support. It's, It's a good start. Um, But I think we need to go a little bit deeper than that. All right, Madam Mayor, uh, today happens to be Holocaust Remembrance Day. And uh, so it's a a timely question here to look at the city's anti-racism goals, uh, the policies and protocols. Where is the city when it comes to achieving their uh, goals? Well, there's there's two sides to um, what we're trying to accomplish as a city. Number one is raising awareness and engaging with our citizenry to understand that we all understand what our unconscious biases are, what our misperceptions are of the many neighbors that we have in our city. But as a corporation as well, we need to move towards breaking down the systems and the processes that are inherently racist. And what we heard at our presentation was that we have much work to do. This will be a long journey and we are on the way of making sure that we're at least having the discussions of what we're not doing well and how we can fix that. And to that point, we do know when we speak with Police Chief Mark Newfeld, you know, they, they're all over the CPS hate crimes. They take it very seriously. They have units, you know, in place and, and their own protocols. But when we talk about hate crimes, this goes beyond CPS, doesn't it, Madam Mayor? And that's why the city has to have a, such a strong partnership with CPS, isn't it? 
Absolutely. And back in in the day when we declared that we would be an anti-racist city, we had um, the similar message delivered by Calgary Police Service, Calgary Police Commission, and the Senior Officers Association. So this is something that every organization needs to look at. It is a deeper problem. And frankly, the ability to prosecute those hate crimes is holding us all up. So we need provincial attention as well. Mayor, let's talk a little bit about uh, affordable housing, certainly something that's been on the table for some time for many different facets of our citizenry. But uh, let's talk about some affordable housing for women and children, particularly in Inglewood. Yeah, we um, were very happy once again to be partners in government with an amazing organization, YW Calgary, federal, provincial representatives and municipal representatives were pleased to announce that there will be affordable housing units for women and their families who have fled situations of violence. And that um, project is accompanied by an emergency shelter that has uh, trauma-informed care as well as child care services. It is a really good news story for women in our city who have had the courage to leave terrible situations. Mm -hmm. And it offers their family a lot of support to get through a really difficult time. Speaking with Mayor Jyoti Gondek, uh, Mayor, what is the plan for the Foothills Athletic Redevelopment, the area redevelopment, and, and why is it an important project for our city? Oh, my goodness. It's typically been called the field house, and what it is is um, is actually a multi-sport facility that includes track and field capacity. It would include uh, a soccer field, and it is something that's been dreamed of since the 60s, and we've never actually delivered on it, so we're uh, sharpening our focus on how to make that project real because I think our ability to attract a lot of events hinges on having such a facility. So um, the updated uh, terms of reference is due to come to us in February and it will be an opportunity to really deliver that. Mayor, we've talked about some very important issues, but I think none is as important as this. What is, do you think, the best music soundtrack to a film ever? You know, I appreciate the hard-hitting questions, and I think <laughs> I would have to say that, I mean, one of the obvious ones is Purple Rain. Yeah. But my favorite might have to be Reality Bites. Oh, okay. That is a great yeah. one. We haven't had that one as a choice, so excellent. I like that. It's sort of stemmed from Eric Alpert, who's a music guru, talking about best soundtracks ever, and we've had some amazing, uh, like, great memories, right, of yeah. some of the movies and the music that ties in together. So that's an excellent one. Thank you for that. Well, thank you. It is Mayor Jyoti Gondek, our Friday catch-up, and uh, actually, we're going to bring her out with some music, I think, this time out. We've got a snippet of one of her favorite soundtracks. You say, I only hear what I want to. You say, I talk so all the time, so. The United States has already seen 40 mass shootings in 2023. Joining us to talk about this and all the latest news out of the United States is Jennifer Johnson, Global News Washington correspondent. Good morning, Jennifer. Welcome to QR Calgary now on FM. Wow, thank you. Thanks for having me. This is big news. It really is. Pleasure having you. Thank you very much for joining us. Whole new audience perhaps hearing your voice and, and you know all the uh, information that you're going to share with us. But in the time that we actually talked about you being on yesterday and wrote up the introduction to this segment, there was yet another mass shooting. So it did bring it to 40. 
it has just sort of been nonstop. And is the topic of any kind of gun legislation front and center at all in the United States right now because of it? Um, with the American public, yes. And with Congress, basically, no. Crickets. The Republican Congress, Republican-controlled House is saying that they're uh, will be no plans to introduce any kind of gun control legislation, despite many polls showing that Americans want that, want stricter gun control laws in this country, and the Democrats pushing for it, but the Republicans are saying it's not going to happen. It just seems to fall on deaf ears. I mean, we, we've now had more mass shootings than we've had days in 2023, and, and yet the Republicans just refuse to act. And uh, the governor of California, after the horrific mass shootings in his state in the past week, came out and publicly criticized House Speaker Kevin McCarthy because he's from California and he has said nothing about these mass murders. And um, he, you know, he 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 acknowledged Gavin Newsom acknowledged that California has some of the strictest gun control laws in the country, and yet the federal laws are so weak that it doesn't help them. There are no bans on assault weapons. There are no bans on high-capacity clips or limits on how many you can buy. So virtually anybody can, you know, in this country can find a place to buy a, a weapon of war and high-capacity clips and, you know, and go ahead and, and conduct a mass shooting. Jennifer, uh, you know, uh, we're focusing on mass shooting. So just to, to, two clarifications, if we can get from you. These aren't people who were killed when we say 40 mass shootings, number of people killed because individuals may have been shot, you know, in different incidents. So uh, if you can break that down for us and confirm that, but also how do we define a mass shooting? Well, there's a difference between mass shootings and mass murders. Um, the, the mass murders are defined by four or more people died. Mass shootings um, can be more than one, but not the number of deaths. Um, I think the number is quite a bit higher if we look at mass shootings than mass murders. I think the 40 statistic is, is involving mass murders, four or more people dead. It's just astounding that it continues to happen and nothing ever gets done to, to try and even remotely change things. I don't know if it ever will. I don't know what you think on that one, but probably uh, not likely going to see any change anytime soon, are we? No, I mean, it it is... I think it's astounding not only to me but to virtually any American that this this the Republican Party just refuses to acknowledge that there is a crisis in this country. There's an epidemic in this country of mass murders, and that they basically say nothing can be done. I mean, that was Kevin McCarthy's statement that well, California has the strictest gun control, some of the strictest gun control laws in the country, and it didn't stop this. Well, it didn't stop this because we don't have a ban on assault weapons. And there's no limits on assault weapons. There's no limit on buying high-capacity clips. So until that happens, you know, it's one thing. It, it, it's bad enough to walk in to a crowded dance hall with a pistol. But when you go in with basically a, a weapon of war, you're going to kill a lot of people. And it's been proven over and over and over again in this country. But I, I don't know. I mean, I just don't understand how... For some reason, there's this correlation between if we pass any gun legislation, Americans won't be able to buy a gun. Mm -hmm. And the, the Democrats have said over and over, that's not what they're trying to stop. What they're trying to stop are these weapons of war, you know, these assault weapons. But it just it, nothing ever seems to change. And it's gotten to the point where I think Americans are getting numb to it. It's like, oh, there's another mass shooting. There's another mass murder. And, you know, nothing gets done. So you just it, it just has become commonplace, which is frightening. Very much so. 
another dire situation making headlines. I'm hoping it can break down for us. Memphis police officers have been charged with the death of a 29-year-old man. Can you tell us about this and, uh, you know, perhaps the backlash and the aftermath that we, that we could be seeing? That's right. So Tyree Nichols was beaten and uh, was pulled over and beaten allegedly by five Memphis police officers. Um, they have all been fired and they have now been charged with second degree murder and other criminal offenses. Um, the district attorney basically said they were all equally responsible for the death of Tyree Nichols. Tyree Nichols was hospitalized and died three days later from his injuries. There is a videotape um, of this from the police, and it's going to be released sometime later today. And so Memphis, the city of Memphis, is preparing for possible protests. Uh, Tyree Nichols' mother last night was at a vigil calling on people to protest peacefully. But it's just another horrific situation where the police are involved in what should be a relatively routine arrest of a motorist and it got out of hand and now this young man is dead. The police chief has seen the video and she's said it was brutal, it's horrific. Um, the parents, the mother was saying that she doesn't know if she can look at it. She has heard the audio of her son saying, what have I done, what have I done? But his injuries were severe enough to result in his death. And so now there are criminal charges against these five police officers. And um, there will be a civil rights investigation uh, by the Department of Justice. It's just, you know, it's, it's just another horrific situation. And we'll see what happens in Memphis tonight. And there's other cities that are preparing for possible protests across the country. No doubt, no doubt. Uh, this one kind of came as a bit of a surprise that uh, Facebook parent Meta reinstating former President Donald Trump's account um, and his access to Instagram. He's been banned for some time now. Uh, yeah, we can only imagine what the first tweet or post is going to look like. Yeah, they just get crazier and crazier these days. So it'll be... Um, I It'll be entertaining. I'm not really sure who made the decision to reinstate him. Um, their numbers have been quite down, particularly on Facebook, people dropping off. Maybe they felt like they needed an entertainment value. I, I don't know. I, you know, I, they're just, they're, I, I don't know what to say about Donald Trump other than I think even the Republican Party has grown weary of his craziness and it just he's still he's still talking about the election being stolen from him um you know it just it, it just seems to get crazier and crazier I, it'll at the very least Sue and Andy it'll be entertaining to, to see what he writes his own social media truth social media platform uh is pretty much dying so he needs a new platform and I'm, you know I don't know. They've decided to let them back on. Great. That's a very good point, Jennifer. Say what you want. People will be reading that content. Mm, uh, sadly. For, if nothing else for entertainment. Oh, yeah. I mean, he's, you know, he's entertaining at the very least. Yeah. I mean, you know, <laughs> so people will read it. I mean, you kind of just read it and go, wow, wow. I mean, he just made some unbelievably disparaging comments about Mitch McConnell's wife, uh, Asian-American wife, a couple of days ago on his platform. So, I mean, you know, do I think it's going to be only a matter of time before he gets kicked off again? Yes. Yes. So, but <laughs> in the meantime, oh, yeah, batting down the hatches. Time will tell. Thank you so much for your time, Jennifer. Thanks for your time today. And have a great weekend. You guys, too. Thanks so much. That's Jennifer Johnson, Global News Washington correspondent.
Holocaust survivor stories serve as powerful reminders of the atrocities of the past and the importance of educating in order to prevent history from repeating itself. Joining us to talk about and honor today, Holocaust Remembrance Day, is Carson Phillips, Faculty of Holocaust and Genocide Studies at Gratz College. Good morning to you, Carson. Thanks so much for joining us. Good morning, and thank you for the invitation. Appreciate your time. We need to continue to talk about this, and not just on one day, Holocaust Remembrance Day, but beyond as well. But when it comes to the stories, the survivor stories of Holocaust survivors themselves, do you think that those stories are just as important in the fight against anti-Semitism as we're seeing a rise in it these days, or is it more about just educating as a whole? Well, I think it's a combination of both, but I think what is really unique and important about the the stories of Holocaust survivors is that they allow us to personalize history. So things that we may read about in a history book or even see in a film or movie become personalized in a way which really allows us to engage with these very deeply personal ways in which history affects people and how it affects families and communities. And there seems to be a unique quality about these um, Holocaust survivor experiences that we can relate to on so many levels. Carson, if you could talk about the importance of not just preserving the stories, but the survivors, because we're talking about 70, 80 years ago, we've got to be getting very low on the amount of survivors and preserving their stories. Is that a challenge as we move deeper and further away from the Holocaust? Yeah, it certainly is. And I mean, it's certainly, I would say, probably the saddest part of the work that I do is that each year there are fewer Holocaust survivors around who are able to make these deeply personal connections with us. I think where we are fortunate is that many um, Holocaust education centers or museums do have access to recorded testimonies, uh, many of which were recorded, you know, by local uh, individuals, you know, during the, the 80s, even into the 1990s, and many collected by the USC Shoah Foundation, which many of us are familiar with. And I think in Canada, we're unique to have the Israeli collection of Holocaust survivor memoirs, which are, you know, memoirs written in their own words by Holocaust survivors, which came out this week, I believe. There's five of them which have come out as audiobooks. So I think these are really interesting and unique ways which uh, organizations have developed to be able to continue to make the personal narratives of Holocaust survivors available to us. Carson, I was going to ask you about that. So there are video testimonials, so to speak, and can most people access these then? Can you find them online? Where do you, where do you kind of look for that sort of thing? Well, increasingly, you can find them online. You can even providers like YouTube. There will be many museums, like the Montreal Holocaust Museum has its own channel on YouTube, and there are many excerpts, so they're probably under five minutes each, these little clips. Uh, but to see the entirety of a testimony, you usually have to go to a university library, which may have a subscription package, which includes the, you know, the Shoah Foundation collection, um, or an organization which may have a collection at its own center. So they are certainly available and increasingly available online, which is really great, you know, for us to be able to access anywhere. Speaking with Carson Phillips, Holocaust and Genocide Studies at Gratz College. Carson, can you talk about this unique time that we live in, whereas even even maybe 20 years ago, a little bit before that even, 
when you wanted to learn about the Holocaust, you'd have to go to the library or, you know, learn about it in school. Now, with the Internet, with the online world, what a great opportunity to spread the word about what happened, to spread facts. But at the same time, that same tool is used for anti-Semitism and, uh, you know, just racism in general. So can you talk about that, uh, that balancing act that you face? Yeah, you're absolutely right. It really is a double-edged sword, and, and, you know, we have to balance all of these perspectives. Um, you know, I'm fortunate. I work at a college which is entirely online, so I have students, you know, in our Holocaust and Genocide program from around the world. We've had students from Japan, from England, from Europe, as well as from across North America. So I think that's one of the great advantages of, you know, the Internet and being online is that the spread of good information and robust, solid information is really available. The danger, you know, as you've alluded to, is through the spread of social media, where unfortunately, you know, rumors can spread around the world in seconds, you know, through social media platforms or through the internet. And these can take, um, you know, considerable time and considerable energy to sort of deconstruct and and to move people away from. And that's really the unfortunate aspect which we found. And, you know, one of the, the campaigns, I guess the social media campaigns being used to counter that was created by the International Holocaust Remembrance Alliance, which is an intergovernmental body of over 35 countries right now. And they have a media campaign on to protect the facts. Uh, which is like hashtag protect the facts. And it's really about having people aware of everything that we encounter on the internet. It's not always accurate. There are people with nefarious means who, you know, want to spread disinformation. And it's really incumbent upon us as learners to really to be able to be able to decipher, you know, what is fact and what is rumor and what is mm-hmm. disinformation. And it's increasingly I think a challenge that we face today. I just want to we refer back to you. You were talking about the Shoah Foundation, just looking that up. A nonprofit organization dedicated to making audiovisual interviews with survivors and witnesses of the Holocaust and other genocides, founded by Steven Spielberg. So I think it's an, an interesting one for people maybe do a little research on today. But I wanted to ask you why you think, because it seems it is, anti anti-Semitism is on the rise these days. Why do you think that that's starting to bubble up again? Well, it's one of these prejudices, unfortunately, which has never really gone away. It just seems to, to you know, have periods when it's calmer and then periods when it flares up again. And unfortunately, we seem to be in a period in which um, anti-Semitism, whether it's physical acts or whether it's, you know, acts through social media or claims, statements that are being made, um, you know, we're really in an era when there's a lot of it. And... Um, you know, there's no doubt that we saw an increase in social media platforms during, you know, the height of the COVID pandemic when people were spending a lot more time online. And unfortunately, you know, that means educators are spending time online, spreading good information, and there's people out there spreading disinformation. Um, and I think that's certainly one of the factors. And any time when you live in a, in a period when there's maybe uncertainty or maybe people have certain fears about what the future is going to hold, um, unfortunately, old tropes and many of them which are anti-Semitic in nature bubble up to the surface again. And this is, you know, what we're seeing, I think, in this period right now. Carson, can you offer up a website, for example? And I'm thinking about, you know, if, if, if at home you, you decide to kids get home from school today you want to mention to them that it is this day holocaust remembrance day a resource that we can direct 
you know, families to, 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 to observe in honor on the day like today? Oh, sure. There's many great resources and websites. One which I like to go to a lot is the USHMM, the United States Holocaust Memorial Museum, which really has some of the most interesting and I think really solid information available. There's also HolocaustRemembrance.com, which is the website of the International Holocaust Remembrance Alliance, which has, again, really great, solid information. Yad Vashem out of Israel, another leader in Holocaust research, and, um, you know, a little closer to home, the Montreal Holocaust Museum's website, great resource information. Um, HolocaustCenter.com is for the Toronto Center, and I would also check out the Israeli Foundation website for um, you know information with the audiobooks because I think it's a great activity for a family to do together is to listen to you know an audiobook. So important to continue the conversation. Thanks so much for your time this morning, Carson. Thank you. Appreciate it. Carson Phillips is with the faculty of the Holocaust and Genocide Studies at Gratz College.